Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is the fourth episode of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. And as such, we are proud to announce that we have joined the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My name's Dan Gold, and on each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. Paul, it's a fascinating week. We're getting towards the end of September. Uh, Firstly, before we carry on, how have you been? Just fine, thank you. Uh, It's been uh, what you know a spectacular month weather-wise, and we've been able to get outdoors. And uh, when do you get to have to put on sunscreen at the end of uh, September because it's so sunny and hot? So it's also given us an opportunity as as the summer's been long, it's given us the opportunity to really reflect on what's happening in the world when we're out there enjoying our walks. Um, one of the places, one of the territories that really deeply interests me is China, uh, mainland China and our relationship, Saskatchewan's relationship with mainland China. There's a lot of history here that maybe people don't know. There is. And, uh, you know, when you look at Canada, obviously you think about how Ottawa and Beijing get together. But if you dissect that from an economic perspective, Saskatchewan moves up the parade an awful lot because we trade so much with them. Uh, we sell grain and uh, uh, potash and uh, you know some our major project or products. Sorry, uh, they're one of our biggest buyers, if not in, for some products, uh, the biggest customer that we have. And I think that gets lost in Canada a little bit because we tend to think about it in a diplomatic sense. Or you think about Vancouver and BC's relationship with China. Saskatchewan gets overlooked in all of this. But I think, actually, if you look back historically, you'll find out that Saskatchewan probably has the primo relationship with China. And if there's a problem with that, it's that Saskatchewan never figured that out. Never mind Canada. Saskatchewan didn't figure that out. And I think we we missed some massive opportunities. Now, by way of background, I've been to China probably a dozen times and for the most part been there traveling along behind ministers, behind uh, political leaders, behind business leaders, generally as an observer. And uh, so I've had an opportunity to go north-south, uh, up and down the east coast of China. I've met with many people. I've covered a lot of stuff of uh, the way Saskatchewan interacts with them. Canada interacts with them. I used to be on the board of the Asia Pacific Foundation, so China was a conversation point. We had a couple of uh, former ambassadors, uh, Canadian ambassadors to Beijing who were on that board, and uh, incidentally, one of them uh, from Saskatchewan. And uh, so we, you know, really got some understanding of what was going on. And let me just give you some context on this. And and we're talking about China this week because of the the. the whole settlement uh, on the extradition charge around uh, Meng Wanzhou and the the two Michaels being repatriated to Canada, and I just thought it was timely. And so, uh, one of the times that I had traveled uh, to uh, to China was we were uh, we stopped in Beijing. We we're on our way to Jinan. Now, uh, I at one point was the uh, chair of the board of the Regina Economic Development Authority, and Jinan, which is the capital of Shandong, which is the province on the east coast, which receives the most foreign direct investment in China, it was Regina's sister city. So, as chair of the Economic Development Board, I would often travel with the mayor or over to uh, uh, significant events over there. So, I got to spend some time and. And there was a relationship that occurred. Uh, there was a businessman 
who was one of the top software developers in all of China. And he developed the software that most of the Chinese banks use. So it was he was a very big player, uh, independent guy. But he had been a grad of the U of R, University of Regina. And so the relationship there was strong, and he often would act as a bit of a conduit or help us move around there. And he would host us when we would get into Jinan. So we got to see a lot of that city. And, uh, you know, his relationship and fondness for Regina was very, very uh, powerful. And uh, just to give you an idea of how that relationship worked, uh, there was a big uh, major hotel in Jinan that... uh, would serve pizzas and you know any western visitors of course would would be you know eyeing that up because you get a certain amount of chinese food at which point you say a pizza would be a good idea and they had a regina pizza on their menu uh named for their sister city in canada so so you know you ask well why did jinan end up twinned with regina and it goes back actually to 1968 and the university of regina in those days it was uh you know, the, the days of uh, Riddell and Barber at the university, uh, Riddell being president, Barber over at the business school, and ultimately, uh, you know, the, the president of the university, they formed a relationship, a twinning relationship with the University of Jinan. So now, check the chronology on this. 1968 was about the time Pierre Trudeau was starting to uh, talk with Mao Zedong about acting as a liaison uh, to get Chinese uh, U.S. diplomatic relations restarted. So Canada was in the middle of bringing those two together. And you remember the great, you know, Henry Kissinger going over there, followed by Nixon. And so as a part of this, you saw the University of Regina actually reaching out and twinning. Now, China didn't open up to the West with the, the great leap forward until 1979, That was like 10 or 11 years after the U of R had been, uh, you know, entrenched. So the U of R became a very powerful institution from the Chinese perspective. They were a link into the Western world and a link into Canada, and it was uh, the the platform. So they would trade professors sometimes. They would trade students. They created programs where they had what they called a two plus two, take two years of university on their side, and then you would take two years on this side and get your degree. And so you'd have some international experience and, you know, the whole, the whole thing. So uh, it, it reached the point actually, and and here's this is like a little known fact in Saskatchewan. I got exposed to it, and I just think it's absolutely remarkable that at one point, when a Chinese executive of the national government, so if you worked in the National People's Congress or would be the equivalent of what we would in our system call a deputy minister. You wanted to get executive training internationally. The only place that was accredited was the University of Regina. So if you went abroad to get educated or some experience in, you know, Western ways or whatever, you had to go to the U of R. Here's the sad part. The U of R had probably every senior level government bureaucrat in China live in Saskatchewan, and we never kept track of them. They're not part of the alumni system. We lost them. But to show you how strong that relationship became, I mean, I was in my days as the RITA chair, the Economic Development Authority, and of course, I still wore the hat as a you know radio commentator and stuff. Uh, we were uh, traveling with U of R, and we stopped in Beijing on the way to Jinan. And the national government hosted us for lunch because it was I was ostensibly on the U of R's ticket on this one. It was a U of R uh, session that day. So we go to the Great Hall of the People, 
the number four guy in the whole Chinese government, and frankly, I don't remember who he was, might even be the guy who's currently the president for all I know. But I mean, he hosted us for lunch and, you know, we had the standard 10 or 15 course meal. And then they even, he said, I have a little surprise for you at the end. And he, they had flown in a little uh, medallion, uh, steak medallions from Vancouver. They brought in Canadian beef and they cooked that stuff up and put, you know, four French fries on the little plate. Cause I mean, you, this was like the 20th dish we had. And, uh, but he wanted to honor the U of R. And so then when we were done lunch and everybody exchanged pleasantries and we made our speeches and stuff, uh, he said, come on, we'll go on a walking tour of the great hall of the people. So we walked through the, through the hall with the equivalent of, you know, if this was Canada, it'd probably be like the national justice minister walking you around the uh, uh, parliament buildings. So we were in one building, and he said, "This is this is the reception hall where ten thousand people were when Richard Nixon came, and uh, they started the relationship." And then we moved to the next one, and this is where there were five thousand people for a sit-down dinner at this that the Kissinger Nixon uh, you know event. And so we were in those places, and in the Great Hall, every province has its own room. And so there's a brocade tapestry in the wall that's like the size of a football field. And, and uh, you know, it would depict some picture of what was going on in that, in that province, some geographic picture. So we were in Jinan's, uh, or in, uh, sorry, Shandong's province, you know, their room, and then we went and did the tour. And I think it's really sad that I never hear about this anywhere else, that there's this powerful connection between Saskatchewan and China. And I'm not sure we fully exploited it. I'm not sure we fully understood it. I know the first time I went to China, it was like 1984. And it was a, uh, we had just signed a twinning with the province. So that was Jilin province in the north. And they needed everything from us. And I think we went just really as tourists. I mean, we didn't understand the business potential that was there. Business people went on this thing. Not one of them followed up. And we didn't end up doing any relations or any businesses over there. And I think that was the sad part. You know, fast forward 15 or 20 years when Jinan finally terminated the relationship on the 20 because they didn't need us anymore they had advanced so much but we were there in the very beginning when they did need us we had an opportunity to forge a very powerful tie i think and we missed it so when i look back at what happened with the two michaels i think man you know would that have happened uh, if we had been able to really uh, work those relationships i mean it's purely speculative to say that but it is an interesting question to ponder and and i think if we do nothing else in this conversation today, just alert the people of Saskatchewan that the relationship between us and China has been historically very deep. And we should actually think about as a customer, you know, they're really important to us. Maybe we should be thinking about what are we doing going forward? It's really a a good discussion point. It's interesting from the point of view of the context of the history and the relationship that was there. And seeing the the international diplomacy and what's happened in the triangle between us, the United States, and and China, um, where it gets really interesting for me from what you've said is if we had remain retained those connections, if we had remained more of a political power player rather than the supply uh, supplier customer relationship, which is still very strong and still incredibly important to our economy and our relationship with China, it would be interesting if we have been more in the conversation or bought into the room to have played a part in what had happened recently. Again, as you said, it's speculation, but 
if the strength of the relationship was there from that history, it could have grown and there was every opportunity potentially for it to have grown. So maybe a missed opportunity. But then it brings us up to uh, the current day and the question of uh, international relations when we are um, we we are relatively dependent on the Chinese economy and the Chinese um, political leadership as well. So at times, do you think that there is there is a risk at being vocal about things that China doesn't necessarily agree with? Where you know we see it from a Western perspective, and they certainly don't. Yeah, very valid point. But two lessons from this, or two observations. One. Uh, you know, it's at your own expense if you don't learn your own history. So first of all, understand your history and that you probably have avenues, connections and stuff that you really don't know about, then you should explore your history. And and number two, I would look at what the province has been doing lately to open international trade offices. You're right. We do depend heavily on China, and you could make an argument too heavily on China. And the previous argument to that is too heavily on the U.S., so then that was why China became, you know, a nice quid pro quo for uh, have two customers of significant size. But the provincial government's now opening up. I think we're headed into seven international offices. And look, Saskatchewan is a small population, very productive. We cannot consume everything that we produce. So we need to rely on trade. And if we open trade offices, I think we start to address that question you very rightly posed, which is, are we too reliant on a single customer? I would argue probably too reliant on two or three customers. Let's diversify the the list of customer customer base. And uh, so I applaud the provincial government for the efforts that they've taken to open up offices. And, you know, we're in Singapore now, in Tokyo, uh, we're looking at Dubai, Mexico City. I mean, we're going to have a lot of them. There will be critics around here who will say, oh, oh, look at there's a politician jumping on an airplane going on a joyride to some country. Listen, that's sales calls. And I get very annoyed because I think that's just cheap shot criticism. It's not, it's not built on any foundation of any wisdom or intelligence that really the marketplace in Saskatchewan is global. It is not local. And so if we are not projecting our leadership into global uh, in arenas and sort of making our face known and, and having our voice heard, we're going to leave a lot on the table. And isn't that really what we're discussing here today? China and Saskatchewan had built a very strong relationship in a previous era. We didn't understand that as well as perhaps they did. And now we've allowed them to forget it. And uh, all of a sudden, opportunity is lost which leads to a celebration for the thought and the driving forwards of these new opportunities. And it's, it's finally time. It's, it's now to really act. It's a defining moment in those international relationships and building even more of that world stage presence. Yeah. There's, there's just no time like the present, but I'll tell you who the celebration should be for is those who had the wisdom and foresight back in 1968 to say, hey, China's a big country. There's a big population there. We need that access to it. And even though it's a closed country behind the so-called bamboo curtain in those days, they used education as uh, an entree. It wasn't diplomacy and it wasn't, you know, uh, business. It was education. Now, we Canada did have diplomatic relations with China at the time, which made it possible for us to get in there. But, you know, it was not where we had 
regularly frequent two-way traffic. I mean, we, this was, uh, you know, it was a real project to get in there. And the wisdom and foresight of the Bill Riddells of the world back in that, those days, you know, those are things that need to be celebrated as well. And we should not forget our past because there's actually some really powerful stuff to build upon. Paul, this is a fascinating area, and it's one which I am convinced we will not only revisit, but really as as a business community, as a province, really invest time and effort in to build those international connections. Paul, thank you for joining us. Um, if you want to find out more about Paul's daily updates, his business commentaries, you can go to my newsroom. .ca. Sign up for free. And of course, this podcast, we really enjoy making it. We are really proud of the positive feedback. If you like this, please rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts, and it is available for free on all major platforms. Paul, thank you. Not at all. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you next week. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Please tell others so that they can access the insights that power Saskatchewan and let them know that they can find us on the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.